Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast where two friends stopped arguing about movies and started working through them together. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. For this episode, we're watching Past Lives, one of our favorite films from last year, and a nominee for Best Picture at this year's Oscars. As we mentioned in our last episode, we're spending this year re-watching movies that we've wanted to see a second time, and right now, we're focusing on the very recent past by re-watching movies from 2023. While Past Lives might be a long shot for winning any Oscars this year, it wouldn't feel right if we didn't take time to talk about one of our favorite movies of last year. Past Lives is probably the least known of all the movies nominated for Best Picture, but it has very strong word of mouth as critics and audiences kept singing its praises. It made many Best of the Year lists and earned five Golden Globe nominations. Despite making only $24 million worldwide, Past Lives proved to be a strong directorial debut for playwright Celine Song and elevated the profiles of stars Greta Lee and Teo Yu. But how much do critics and enthusiastic audiences know? Is this a movie that should leave or stay? Keep listening. Who do you think they are to each other? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, this is a hard one. I think the white guy and the Asian girl are a couple. And the Asian guy is her brother. Or the Asian girl and the Asian guy are a couple. And the white guy is their American friend. I'm not even talking to the white guy. Maybe they're tourists, and the white guy is their tour guide. Drinking at 4 a.m.? Yeah, you're right. That makes no sense. Mm, Maybe they're all just colleagues. I have no idea. So that is the... I think fairly unusual way that this movie opens. Yeah. We we don't always start with the opening scene. I don't know how often we use the opening scene to it'd be, start. It'd be a good but stat, a stat to figure out for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get an infographic up. <laughs> but that is how this movie starts with two people who we, as far as we know, never end up meeting no, in the movie. Not at all. Speculating about what's happening with the characters that we do end up meeting. Mm -hmm. It's just people observing, people speculating. Observing the two main characters and third main character. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Uh, That works. um, They don't know what's going on. We as an audience at first don't know what's going on either. Right. Then cut to 24 years earlier and the story commences. But before we get into that, um, welcome welcome back. Yeah. Uh, The Oscar nominees have been announced. Correct, yep. And uh, Past Lives, not as nominated for the oscars as it was for the golden globes nothing in the acting categories which i think is too bad it it certainly Um, is nominated for best original screenplay which i think is well deserved Mm -hmm. also in good company with like the only other movie referenced in past lives right because wasn't oh eternal sunshine wasn't charlie kaufman nominated for that movie for original screenplay right yeah and it won for that yeah it it must have won yeah Yeah. it won for that all right so maybe some good karma going on there (laughs) But, you know, I think you raise a good point, which is uh, we said we were going to rewatch movies from 2023, and we were going to do that based on the nominees. And uh, of all the ones that were chosen, this is the one we decided to do before the actual ceremony. And, uh, you know, so listeners may be wondering why. Mm -hmm. Why this movie over Mm -hmm. 
Oppenheimer or Barbie or yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon, American Fiction. Right. Yeah. But I think mainly we love this movie. We mm-hmm. think more people should see it. And even though, as we said in the intro, it's probably not going to win Best Picture, it does in our hearts. It do- it certainly does. And I also think uh, it's got quite a life ahead of it. I, I think, think so a lot too. of people are going to find this movie. And you're going to yep. be, if you if you listen to this podcast, you're going to say, yeah, I watched oh, yeah. it. Uh, I remember. I remember. 2024. Right. Yeah. Um, 2024, by the way, February 2024, marking our 10-year anniversary. Hey, congratulations we're to recording us. This, yeah, we're recording this on the 16th. Our first episode came out February 11th, 2014. A lifetime ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, in fact. Yeah. So true. not quite a lifetime, but somebody's lifetime, ago. your son's <laughs> yes, lifetime. My son's lifetime, absolutely. Yeah. It's great to be uh, still sitting across from me here 10 years later. Yeah, absolutely. And and talking talking movies, which is what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think uh I've said this in past episodes somewhere in the last 10 years that for my money, if you want to know the movies that are going to be the movies we talk about years down the line, mm-hmm. you don't look at the best picture you category. Have said this before, and you I think look it's at yep. the screenplay category. Yep. Because a lot of times you've got movies that the Academy doesn't know what to do with. They say, there's something about this. Must be the screenplay. Couldn't be the whole picture. <laughs> Couldn't be the director. Couldn't be the actors. We'll nominate it in the screenplay category. Right. Like when Jordan Peele won for Get Out, that was a screenplay nom. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. Just do your own research on this. <laughs> Based on my my theory, and just see if I'm not a little bit correct that I, screenplay is where the really good movies get nominated. All right, that's where the, the the cream of the crop is, right there. With some notable exceptions, like Maestro being nominated for best <laughs> original screenplay this year. We're gonna have a Maestro conversation now, or something? no? We don't need to. Thankfully conversation, not. thankfully not. Conversation yeah. closed. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, you know, for both of us, this is a rewatch. Mm-hmm. So do we want to talk a little bit about the first time we watched this? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I mean, maybe you should go because I only watched it. I, I only moved it up on my watch list because you watched it and had th- good things to say yeah. about it. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like last year it took a while for my list to really kind of start building up with some good movies, you know, right. like uh, for the long time, it was just sort of like Mario Brothers and like mm-hmm. a Transformer movie I saw with my boys. Um and the nice thing about this movie is it came out on DVD and Blu-ray pretty Blu-ray pretty quickly. Yeah. It was kind of before most of the Oscar movies I watched. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like Everything Everywhere All at Once in that way. Like Everything Everywhere All at Once was a buzzy movie and then it got a very quick DVD release. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel it, like so often the buzzy movies just hang out in the theater for a little bit and then they go away and the streaming rights seem to yeah. be up for sale and we don't know where it's going to land. Do you think and, that's like an A24 thing maybe? I mean, or yeah, I don't know. Yes and no. Yeah. I don't think like After Sun ever got a DVD release. No. So, Which is a damn shame. So, so I watched it and I just, I don't know, really quickly, I think it's that first scene. That first scene just was mm-hmm. like, it was enough to just pull me into yeah. it. And then it just kind of never led up from there. And then there were just, the story itself felt like such a unique story to me Mm -hmm. and what it was telling and how it was telling it. And I just found it just really beautiful. And there were parts of it that resonated very deeply with me on Mm -hmm. like a very personal level. I know this was a very personal story for Celine Song. It's basically autobiographical. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, we can get into that, I think, in our discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like thinking, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like you would have had to have almost gone through something like this with the level of just detail detail and and how much she just kind of knew what what emotion to show and all that kind of stuff. I was just really blown away by it. And then 
the ending floored me even more mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, it's been a long time, but this is like an immediate five-star movie for yeah. me. And um, I was like, this is going straight to number one on my list. Mm-hmm. And psh, let's see if anything can beat this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, st- I guess I still have maybe two or three movies I want to see that I haven't seen yet, but it nothing's topped it yet for yeah. me. This is still my number one movie of the year. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you basically said what you said to me back whenever you watched it. And... I also strangely uh, saw Bo and Yang on Letterboxd, gave it five stars. Oh, okay. Immediately. He's a good follow on he, Letterboxd. He's a very good he's follow. He's a great follow. And um, I was like, all right, well, that's that's at least interesting too. And um, it was on DVD and it was at the library and it was easy to get. And I was like, oh, all right. And it was, I think, after our son was born in October. When you watched it? Yeah. All right. So, how much were you actually able to even pay attention? Well, to? that's that was my concern. Yeah. Because I, you you described it to me, and I saw what it was like, and I, I felt a little bit like this is this looks like it'll be a slow movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we were getting through maybe you know twenty minutes of stuff before we were falling asleep or whatever, and we were like, well, let's try it, and. We didn't finish it that night, but we did get through half of it, like mm-hmm. or more than half of it. Because for as quiet a movie as it is, it's incredibly propulsive. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, just sucks you in and then starts moving. And the same thing happened last night where I was, I was very tired and my wife was very tired and I started it and I thought, oh, I have to watch this now because I won't have a chance to finish it if I don't finish it. And... Kelsey got tired and went to bed and I checked the time and we were over an hour in and I was like, right. Whoa, we already made it way more than halfway. Yeah. And I had no problem finishing it yeah. like last night yeah. on the rewatch. And it was the same the first time and same with you immediately five stars. It was, wow. Okay. It was wow. a movie that it, I feel like it, it, it gets rarer and rarer that a movie comes out and does something new. Yeah. There have been times in the past where I've I've felt that where I'm like I've just I just really haven't seen anything new in a bit like anything that surprises me or moves me in a new way and 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 it's like well can I explain how I mean in some ways I can but in others it's like it's it's not it's not like it does something like surreal right. or something like you know it's just it's actually a pretty straightforward movie I it's would, just yeah. told so well yeah what Celine song pulls off with the dialogue is like writing poetry yeah. and having it just sound like dialogue. Yep. And like to be such a controlled, and I mean, this in a good way, muted mm-hmm. movie yeah. and be so original and impactful is astounding yeah. to me. So before we get into sort of the details of maybe some things that resonated with us and things like that, mm-hmm. um, when I watched it a second time, I was just a little bit more in awe of just like, there's not a bad decision in this movie. Right. Like, I don't even mean like what happens with these characters and how they decide things. Yeah, I mean yeah. like the decisions you make to make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all the different choices. Every choice. Every choice you have to make. Visually, there are framings and scenes that are just like, that's that's the perfect mm-hmm. way to frame this. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect way to pace this. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect tone to strike at this exact moment mm-hmm. for what you're going for. Um, and And then you can... 
you know, make different decisions when you want a different kind of tone. And but somehow you've glued it all together into something that makes very cohesive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a beautiful symmetry to the entire movie <laughs> with that opening scene and then the close, you know, mm-hmm. how, how it comes Near back. The end, and, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just such a well-crafted, sculpted movie. Yeah. And I don't know where to find any fault in it, really. No. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And I don't feel the need to. No. Um, if we're not, you know, in case we're not selling this to you well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, even just to get to base level emotions, I was wondering the second time I watched it, am I going to, I mean, I, I cried the yeah. first time. I don't know if you did. Did you uh, cry the I first? D- I didn't. No? No. At the end? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I, I was, am like sobbing I, with her. I, I, I didn't cry, uh, either time, but I, I certainly felt the weight of it, but I can see crying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. <laughs> All right. Well, if I, if I program you just right, you yeah. might shed a tear. Uh, the algorithm will let you cry. I'm not bit, that but. bad. I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. No, that's all right. But I, you know, I, for me, like, yeah. yeah. I can, and I, and I the second time that. I watched it, I wondered, is it going to happen again? Uh, it just crept up on me again. Yeah. Both times. No, I wasn't any less emotionally invested yeah. or moved. But we got to start somewhere. We can start at the beginning because I do want to know, do you have thoughts on the first scene? Like, what is the effect of starting that way? Anything that you feel like it adds or, or just why do you think she, she made that choice? It's a great question. What's kind of unfortunate about you asking it is that I, right before this, I listened to an interview with Celine Song where oh, she talked about that scene and okay. and kind of why she did it, which I'd love to share. Yeah, but I just think it it unlocks that perfect amount of mystery for me. Yeah. Now, the one thing I noticed this time about that scene in particular that I wonder what you think about it is I kind of forgot that the way that that scene ends is with her actually turning away and looking straight into the camera. Yeah. Um. Are you asking my thoughts on that? Or yeah, just it's just saying? something that like, I kind of forgot about, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's probably kind of important. Mm-hmm. I tend to be wary of identifying directly with anything or ask, thinking the movie is speaking to me. Like when a poem says the word you, they don't mean you. They don't mean the reader, right? Like they have <laughs> okay. an audience that is yeah. not you personally. They're not suddenly saying they love you or something like that. So I, I don't want to say like, we are the people talking over it, but it is playing with or using the idea of watching Mm -hmm. the idea of speculating and interpreting something without knowing anything and watching it a second time, their speculations are almost like, I was a little insulted by them. Like, yeah, because you know what happens like, in there. Like, that's you, you so don't cheap. Know how, yeah. yeah, you don't know how deep this goes. Right. You don't know what's going... Even like, I think the first time I watched it, I was sort of dismissive of Arthur the way they sort of were mm-hmm. too. Well, yeah, he's even kind of... You know, obviously mm-hmm. he's sitting a little to the side. And it's very clearly he's, those two yeah. talking. Like, they're not even really looking at him. And he looks slightly... Yeah, he's not happy. Perturbed. He's not having a good time. Yeah. yeah. But I felt like that really cheapened him too. Then with her looking at it, it could feel a, a, a couple different ways. I think maybe like the most obvious way is like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> right. Like, um, but the other way could be just like being caught being that kind of person. But I guess, yeah, I didn't know for sure why she started that way. 
Um, but what did she say in the interview? Well, I think because I think you're actually pretty spot on, actually. So you ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what she said was, you know, this actually, this exact thing actually happened to her. Hmm. And now she didn't go into detail exactly how much, but she did say that, like, you know, she's married and that her childhood sweetheart visited her from Korea. Mm-hmm. And um, she found herself at a bar having to translate between her husband and her childhood sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And as she was thinking about what a weird situation this kind of is, she actually did look across the bar and there was someone watching them. And she just said it was about noticing that you were being observed. And then she said, there's kind of two ways you can react to knowing when you're observed. Mm -hmm. One is to really reject it, really hate it. And then she said the second way to look at it is to say, like, this person find something about this situation interesting enough to look at it. And it's kind of like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to observe me, if you really want to see me, you really want to see me, mm-hmm. let's go there. Hmm. Well, it certainly is a, a unexpected way for the movie to start. And then I thought also unexpected to jump right. 24 years in the past to these children. Yeah, And this time around, I was more able to just kind of sit in the childhood years because I think at first, the first time I watched it, I was trying to piece it together yeah, too much. Right. And it sets the tone for the rest of the movie because she, in these early years is so good at capturing those little moments. Mm-hmm. And this walk home from school was more special than the other ones or this time in class was more significant. Or even you can remember what, record was playing when you were talking about what name you would take. And speaking of little moments, I actually, I was watching it again, thinking, you know, how serious was their relationship, really? Mm -hmm. And I kind of forgot that they actually show them holding hands, right? you know, in the car. And that this date was set up for them. Yeah. um, That this is the the two moms Mm -hmm. got together and had this date set up for them. That it wasn't just two friends and yeah. then they kind of romanticize the idea of right. each other. Like there was something that there was, was something real there. there enough that her mom recognized it yeah. and wanted her to have something more with it. Right. And that little date they go on is just precious. It is. Absolutely. And even the conversation between the moms mm-hmm. is really interesting, you know, when you kind of know what's going to happen. Because the mom says, if you leave something behind, you gain something too. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean anything to me really watching it the first time, but like on the rewatch, that itself is a piece of poetry in there. And it also sets up just how important art is in her life and in the spaces. Like their date is just around some sculptures. Yeah, right. And there's not anything that's really leaned into with that. They just spend their time crawling on sculptures and looking at each other. And that art is an indelible part of that memory, Mm -hmm. which is part of her family life with her father being a filmmaker and her mom being an artist and her ending up being a playwright and Arthur being a writer, I think is also significant to that. that oh like, yeah, for sure. The love that was formed wasn't just for Son, but also for art. It's one of the ways it's just sort of layering complexity onto it because it's not like everything from that time she left and never got back. Son stopped being a part of it, but the art, Exactly. Never stopped being a part right. of it. And yeah. Just the, the formation of a person. I feel like oftentimes in movies, somebody changing over the years is good or bad. Right. 
I mean, it's like the the trope of the Hallmark movie is like you left your small town and you became a business person, <laughs> right? And then you came back to the small town and you've stopped being the that, business. That person. you're in, you, like like it's just like your environment, or it's just this yeah. person, or it's just this thing you do right. that makes all of who you are, right? Yeah. Whereas this is showing just like the continuation that like you just slowly become someone different, right? And that may pull you away from people. It may push you towards other people. It may physically pull you away from a person, but not actually pull right, you away. Right. And you can reconnect with that person over the years. Right. And it's just a really natural and beautiful depiction of the the first one. So so let me ask you this. Did you have a a childhood sweetheart or a girl that you were close with when you were that young? That young? Yeah. This is this is a unique relationship that's being portrayed. Mm-hmm. You don't see it very often in the movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because it's not so common even in real life or if it is more common in real life, but we really don't know how to process what mm-hmm. that relationship is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and the reason I asked if you had it was because I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that I don't... I mean, we've been friends for a long time and I don't think I've ever really talked about it. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I had... like My closest friend growing up as a kid was a girl. Like how old... Uh, from as early as I can remember mm. up through all the way till when I moved here, which was in seventh grade. Mm. So I would have been, what, 12, 13? Something, like, Something that. like that. This story, it hit differently for me because yeah. I don't see movies that portray this kind of relationship very often. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like, this does happen. Yeah, I always thought it was weird that it happened to me. Mm. It's, it's a type of romance, I guess. It's a yeah. type of flirting, but it's more still a friendship. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a confusing thing as you get older. Yeah. This is the first movie I've ever seen that genuinely tries to process something like that. Because usually any sort of romantic feelings or sexual awakening or whatever, which it's fairly irrelevant, you know, to the yeah. movie. For that to be formed for someone you know so well, rather than somebody that you're just suddenly infatuated Yeah, exactly. With, right. That's interesting. I, I, don't, I, I don't have anything like that. One of the reasons I throw it out there is because you go so many years later before you even start thinking about that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't yeah. even think you don't think that was a thing until you get older, yeah. and you're like, that was something that happened. Yeah, and, because you know, the and moving, that's kind of what happens. The moving in the movie. was big. Yeah. Like the moving the was processing. Yeah. That's the thing that really was the the loss and the change. But then once you kind of reflect on it, you're like, that person was a big part of my life. And what's so what again I think is so personal about this movie for probably both of us is it also is set very much in our time period. Right. For instance, like I think they're just maybe a few years younger than us. They are because her residency is 2012. Okay. They have that same thing that I think we went through, which is when Facebook was still young. Mm -hmm. And I think this was kind of, it's a pretty revolutionary thing. Actually, the first time that you could think, I haven't thought about her in years. Yeah, I wonder what she's up to. wonder what she's up to. And you just go onto a site and you mm-hmm. figure out what somebody's up to. It's in that period when that was still a very fresh thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was something that we didn't have at all as kids. And then we got when yeah. we were adults. Because, like, can this story happen? Now? I don't know. You know? Like, because I feel like you don't actually you would, break apart from people Right, you'd be way. following. Yeah. I mean, we could get into how you don't actually <laughs> break apart from people, but you also don't actually connect with people. <laughs> right. But we don't need to do that. Yeah, I think that was that was something too that was really impactful personally about this movie is the time period and um 
the Skype. Someone's gonna say the Skype, and just like hearing that, and that was how, and the, even the the level of choppiness in yeah. the video mm-hmm. to me was oh, like was perfect. That's, that's yeah. what it was like. They nailed it. So yeah, just the time period makes makes me connect with it. But I, I, I don't have to I, I, even without that. Again, for a first time filmmaker, and granted, she's been a playwright, but, but yeah. she she uses film so well to depict visually the coming together and the 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 moving apart yeah of the second phase of their relationship the sort of like the online Mm -hmm. phase and i I feel like you could watch that whole sequence with the sound off and understand Mm -hmm. yeah what's happening yeah oh man just the the ache and the longing in a missed skype call yeah you know yeah it has a great back and forth to it just in those skype conversations Mm -hmm. and the way that their relationship grows there's a little bit of flirting going on there yeah but like I don't Enough know. It's unsaid as well. Yeah. For like, them to say, like, let's not talk for a while. And neither of them knows whether to say or ask, are we breaking up? Right. And that's such a, that's such a heavy scene. You know, even just the the pauses they give each other are, mm-hmm. I think, are just perfect. You can feel that they're processing these things before they yeah. say something. Right. They're giving these characters so much space to work in and mm-hmm. so much like room to breathe. And I think the performances, especially when she's asking to not talk for a while or whatever, it's just like the testing of the waters mm-hmm. of those sorts of conversations is perfectly written. The real pain is so beautifully acted. But what I think is very compelling about that sort of second act of the movie is that it's told the same way the first act of the mm. story is, yeah. in just moments. In like, you remember what it felt like to get that first call or be waiting for them to talk on that first call or to get home so you meet that time right. or to like get the notification, like all that stuff, just like those little moments. And then the types of conversations like, Oh, you have to see mm-hmm. eternal yeah. sunshine of the spotless mind. And I don't think I noticed that the first time I watched it, that the vignette style of the second act is just like the first act. And I think she also ends both of those sequences with clearly stark images. It's not subtle in those two moments about the sense of separation they're feeling Mm -hmm. the first when they're children she walks up the stairs Mm -hmm. and he walks straight yep and she's going up and out of the frame and he's just walking away from the frame yeah like he's 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 going up a hill but not up a big hill and then the visual of their separation in the skype is it's the darkest scene Mm -hmm. in it all and when we see her on his skype she's in silhouette She's sitting in a dark room and he's sitting in a dark room, but he's really kind of starkly lit, lit. but the computer screen lit. So a very unflattering, very Mm -hmm. sad lighting. They're just not connecting at that point. And they're, they're moving away in that like digital way. And and at the very end, you understand what he means then when he says, for me, you are the one who leaves. Mm -hmm. Another thing that struck me this time, because we, we move then into her, time in the Hamptons. And I was just astounded that how she can shoot so many different settings 
so beautifully. And maybe a little credit to the give credit to, to the, the cinematographer, to the guy who's running the camera there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Celine Song's vision, but Shavir Kirchner's cinematography. Yeah, who also cinematographer on Small Axe. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so some some, some good pedigree. Yeah, seriously. Um, but able to shoot interiors, exteriors, cities, country, close, long. The variety is amazing. Yeah. And that's two cities. So you got how to shoot right. Seoul, Seoul and how to shoot New York, New York and, and then Montauk. And to go from the digital breakup to the sunlit mm, yeah. Montauk is really striking and beautiful. And again, just showing her progression as a person through those visuals, through better, different lighting, like softer lighting, open windows, deep space where we can see out the windows yeah, right. through to the fields. And then when she's outside, she's just taking it all in and yeah. it's just gorgeous. And it's and, often in that magic hour. And, right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's got the beauty of it and the sadness and the, the tension of the unknown mm-hmm. as she ventures into that. You know, we don't get an immediate sense of, is this, did she find her place in this house? Uh, like, I'll, and I'll tell is you there what. some roommate who's like, grab a seat? Yeah. Like, there's nothing, she, the house is empty, she's sort of finding it herself. Like, it's just, it's all so gentle mm-hmm. and natural and realistic feeling. And and then that's, that's the context in which Arthur steps into the picture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how your feelings, if they were the same or if they were different when you saw him the second time. I had a lot more affection for him right. the second time. Because I remember, because if you think about it, you're watching this the first time, you've got this beautiful, beautiful love story mm-hmm. that's unfolded. And oh man, she just, she walked away from him. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's finding herself. She's writing her name on the wall. And then he kind of just like walks out of nowhere yeah. into the thing. And I'm like, who's oh, this guy? It's that guy. <laughs> Great. Yeah. What's this about? Yeah. And then the second time you watch it, knowing how the movie goes, you're like, oh, Arthur, Arthur. Yeah. Good, good guy. like that guy. <laughs> with, his, with his hit book, Boner. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know what to make of exactly, although it made me laugh when I watched it last night. Well, it, uh, one way to read it is he's very in touch with his masculinity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this is where we do meet Arthur, and I guess maybe at some point we should talk about that whole yes. relationship and how that yeah. kind of flows and, mm-hmm. and what happens with that. Because that's an equally sweet and beautiful it is. developing love story. But not in as in its mm-hmm. own way romantic. It's a little pragmatic. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But in how many movies is that pragmatism an immediate judgment call yes. on that relationship? Right. right. The reality is that's a lot of relationships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think what this movie kind of does in a healthy way, is it sort of separates out our way of thinking about romance with our way of thinking about love. Mm. They're both beautiful things, and they can coexist in weird mm-hmm. ways, uh, sometimes ways that we don't even mm-hmm. quite understand, and that can be a beautiful thing. One you, can lead to the other, one, but yeah, not necessarily. Exactly. And you can have romance in one relationship, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual love relationship. Mm-hmm. you know. And then sometimes you have a relationship that the romance is there, but it's a little bit more formulaic, mm-hmm. no less beautiful though, mm-hmm. really in its own way, because these two people are very connected to one another now right. in this really beautiful way. They've made something of each Literally other. Literally intertwined. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like the way, because she, she does the same thing, just vignettes. Yeah. They're a little bit more tense because one of them is like getting questioned by yeah. the uh, TSA 
Well, the, yeah, the Canadian border... Or the Canadian... Is that what it was? I don't know. Yeah, his, his thing said CBP, so I don't know if that's like Canadian border, border police patrol? or patrol or something. Okay. That's how you find out they're married. Like, right. that's not the most romantic way for us to... They, right. She could have shot them getting the wedding, married. Yeah, we see that. that picture later, even, mm-hmm. of her in her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And then them having to kind of fess up that it... Not fully, but kind of was a green card wedding as well. Yeah. You know? That accelerated it. Yeah, right. <laughs> accelerated it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I kept kind of imagining what this movie would have been like if it had been made in different decades. Hmm. Um, and in the 90s, Arthur would have been a jerk. And his writing career would have been in competition with hers. But here well, isn't that isn't that, just... isn't that basically You've Got Mail? Like Greg Kinnear is like that oh, right. writer mm-hmm. jerk. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the scene between her and Arthur after her date, after her day with him, not her date, her day with Sung. Yeah. Um, is perfect. Are you mad? No. Feels like you were. I don't have a right to be mad. What do you mean? Of course you do. No. The guy flew 13 hours to be here. I'm not going to tell you that you can't see him or something. He's your childhood sweetheart. And it's not like you're going to run away with him. Are you? Definitely. I'm going to throw away my life here and run away with him to Seoul. Do you even know me? I'm not going to miss my rehearsals for some dude. I know. I know you. A lesser movie, I think, would have you totally on her side. Mm -hmm. He's legitimately kind of worried, but also totally fine. Mm -hmm. And her answers are not great answers. Her answer is, I'm not going to miss my rehearsals for some dude. Right. She's not the most reassuring person. No. (laughs) Right. Because I think she's probably thinking about it too. They're both in their own way so honest with each other. Mm Mm-hmm. It's honesty in a way that's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you anything that's not true, but I'm gonna think carefully before what I say. And I mean, you know, I think it helps that in the movie he's a writer, but he knows his place in the story. You know, he even says so. I was just thinking about what a good story this is. The story of Hezong and me? Yeah. I just can't compete. What do you mean? Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later only to realize they were meant for each other. We're not meant for each other. I know. I know. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. (laughs) Shut up. Me? What? Think about it. Our story is just so boring. He even is later pretty vulnerable about his own insecurities. Yeah. About how he just... He, you dream he, in a language I can't you dream, understand. Oh, beautiful line, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful line. It's a type of love that's beautiful because she, she'll say things like, this is where I ended up. This is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. There's multiple ways you can read that. Like yeah. the way he could interpret that is, I'm settling. Yeah. But the way she's meaning it is, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. This is right. where I want to be right now. Mm-hmm. You know? And then she says, I love you. And then he just says perfectly, he says, I know it. 
I just have trouble believing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Another thing she says in that scene is, this is my life and I'm living it with you. And again, that could be like very faint reassurance. Yeah. And, you know, kind of about settling. But I, what I take it to mean or how I think about it, and I, I feel like I've talked about some of this on previous episodes, like the way I, I view like free will versus determinism yeah. is like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like a free will going forward, but a determinist looking back <laughs> where it's like once I made my choice, those other choices were, were gone. They're gone. I right. can't not make the choice I made. And I made that choice. And so this is where I am. There isn't another path. I chose one path. Mm-hmm. This is where I exist. My life with yeah. Sung, my life before I left Korea, all of that. Those possible paths are gone. One path led me here. And this is where I am. Now I have choices going forward, but you know me. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what she says to Sung later. Mm-hmm. She says that Nae Young you know doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And then she says, but that little girl did exist. Right. Like like you're saying, like you made choices and mm-hmm. this is who you are now and this is who you're supposed to be. It doesn't mean that person in the past didn't actually exist. Right. It just means it's not the same person as it is today. Right. That person's farther along the path. Yeah. And I also think about the idea of soulmates. This This movie is, I feel like, a really vivid exploration of the idea of soulmates. Mm, yeah. And I mean, even the Inyoung thing that she talks mm-hmm. about, about like the 8,000 layers of connection with soulmates, the idea is there was one person and you get them, you, you find them or you don't, you missed them. And if soulmate, the, the idea of soulmates exists, then she missed her soulmate with mm-hmm. Haesung. And now she's with Arthur. But the way I think about soulmates and the way I feel like the movie is sort of talking about soulmates with the idea of this is my life and I'm living it with you is there are different people that everybody can end up with. But the person you end up with is the person not that you lucked into finding or that you settled for, but it's the person who said, I'm going to make it my life's work to fit with you. Mm-hmm. Like You are the person that I'm going to stop searching for Mm -hmm. you are the person that i'm going to settle down with you're the person that i'm going to change for that i'm going to collaborate with to like you like that is absolutely the 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 thesis of the movie because that's what that's what hey son says to nora Mm -hmm. is for arthur you are the the person who stays stays. yeah exactly and that that to me is more beautiful than the idea of a soulmate that there's one person out there but no you are the person who is worth staying for right and so when she says this is my life and i'm living it with you that's how i hear that 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 just affirmation of i am living it with you we right. are we are living this the life choice together. has been made yeah that is not an easy thing to do and so anybody who has someone who made that choice should cherish that mm-hmm. and like honor that and do the work with them but there, that is not without its own grief, mm-hmm. because I think this is also a movie about the beauty and the grief of settling into your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, because yeah. Because when yeah. you settle into your life, there is a lot of beauty that can grow from that, from the stability, from the deep knowing of people, and there's grief for the life that you were, you've decided to not live anymore. Sometimes that, that grief hits harder than the beauty, mm-hmm. but that, for Nora... 
thankfully, wasn't enough to give up the, the beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not grief to chase another beauty. It's sometimes you're going to mourn the life you don't mm-hmm. live and you might mourn the person you're not with. Yeah. And, and what I think is also really beautiful about that idea is from Arthur's point of view that he let her have that. Mm-hmm. He actually got to see a side of her that was previously only for that previous life. Mm-hmm. This is a really important scene. I, I missed the first time I watched it. When they're having that conversation in the bedroom, the bathroom, she, saw, she talks about how she was a crybaby. Mm-hmm. And he, he kind of says it like, how, much, how do I even know you? Mm-hmm. Like, you were a crybaby? That's just a part of her that she never unlocked for him. There's probably a little bit of a jealousy there mm-hmm. that this person got a side of my wife that, I, that was never given to me. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never know that side, and this person does. And then to still say, but she needs this. Mm-hmm. She needs mm-hmm. this moment. I'm going to give it to her out of love, no matter how hard it is. Mm-hmm. You get to the last scene, she's a crybaby. Right. Cries right into his arms. This is not something that's normal for their relationship, mm-hmm. you know? But it's... She's <laughs> crying for Sung again. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's so beautiful, you know? And it's also very sad because he hugs her and she keeps her arms down. Yep. Right? Like... Yeah. There's but, so much but, to analyze about that closing shot, yeah. really. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, it's not quite the closing, not the closing shot, shot, but, but the, the, her the closing last scene. time we see them. Yeah. And I, I believe that they are going to be closer because of this new, mm-hmm. new knowledge. Like, he knows her as somebody who has chosen a life that she maybe, you know, seven times out of ten wouldn't have chosen. Sure. <laughs> but she did. Uh-huh. And she's with him. And she knows him as a person who let her have that moment and let her work through that. And so for a movie that, again, you know, is this a romance? I think it is. Mm -hmm. But in any other romance, this is where she's ending up sticking with the asshole villain. Yeah. And you're supposed to be happy about that. Right, yeah. But you are. Isn't this kind of romantic? Mm -hmm. This is a really romantic thing for someone to do. Mm -hmm. To actually like, like real life romantic. It's sort of the difference between, you know, 12-year-old romance and 36-year-old romance. Like, what do you want when you're 36? Now, we kind of followed Nora through Arthur, but we've we've really ignored Haesung and Nora's time Mm -hmm. in New York. And it's interesting to see the time stretch when we've seen, over the course of years, snippets and then we see uncut time together. Yeah. Where she sort of propelled the first two acts through a lot of time, it's remarkable how well she can maintain the momentum while slowing down mm. so dramatically. We just spent several years in about, you know, 25 An minutes yeah. each, half an hour each. Now we're going to spend a day and a night in 40 minutes. Yeah. And how it still maintains the, the energy, the tension, the chemistry, the romance, the, the, the longing, the heart ache, all of that mm-hmm. is, I, it's, it's just so, again, just so many ver- varied talents yeah. on display. And I, I, I kind of love that that's the New York trip they take. Let's go to the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. you know, and that like that and and which of course you take someone that's, who's from out of the country. Of course you do. Yeah. I think that's such a great 
even just capturing of that experience because mm-hmm. you've got while they're waiting in line is when they're actually kind of talking yeah. and they're talking about, you know, what award do you want to win now? And yeah. that's an interesting thing too, that's to go a, from, from like the, the Nobel, Nobel Prize, the Pulitzer, Pulitzer to the, to the Tony. Tony. It's getting more and more specific to who she is, yeah. you know? <laughs> Which could be seen in some lights as a settling, you know? Sure. You started out wanting the Nobel yeah. Prize, then you would settle for the Pulitzer and now you'll settle for a Tony. But if anything, it's a refining. Like, that's who I am. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, maturity recognizes if you found work as a playwright, like you're doing well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Living in New York. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah. But I guess what I was going to say is then, then to just have it be like these quiet moments when Mm -hmm. they're on the boat. Yeah. It's also extremely, uh, again, the, the realism and the, just the livedness of the script where she just keeps asking about his girlfriend and he keeps kind of saying like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, not my girlfriend. We're not together <laughs> <Right>. anymore. <laughs> Where she's sort of like, just so you know. And he's like, well, just so you know. <laughs> right. But they're both, you know, still respectful. And like, just the times that they don't talk and they just look at each other. And they're just sort of like, wow, you're really here. You're, yeah. We're, we're right here. There's a tension there that it's a sexual tension, mm-hmm. you know? It, it's just unique to see a movie that doesn't use that tension to bring it to some climactic mm-hmm. romantic moment. It uses that tension to just Watch ride it out. Watch people navigate it. <laughs> yeah. Right. To just ride out that tension and then end in a way that is, um, you know, you don't think that's the ending you want. Mm-hmm. And all along, it's the perfect ending mm-hmm. and the one that's just the absolute right one for the story. And after you see it, you can't imagine it ending any other way. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe this is where we should get into like that. I also think the title Past Lives is so perfect mm-hmm. and how it kind of fits in with past lives in a reincarnational kind of way of like actual mm-hmm. lifetimes. Right. But then the movie kind of just pushing you and saying, but you've had past lives in your life. Yeah. Like there are there's a reincarnation that happens throughout mm. life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's such a, I had never thought about reincarnation in that way until yeah. I watched this movie. That you don't that, have to die to be reincarnated. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that you might not even realize it when it's happening, yeah. but like, but that in Yun, that idea or just the whole idea of this mm-hmm. number of lives that we have, mm-hmm. it's sort of a crisscross of like the connections you make and the multiple lives that you have that yeah. build up who you are. Yeah. There's a word in Korean. Inyon. It means providence or fate. But it's specifically about relationships between people. I think it comes from Buddhism and reincarnation. It's an inyon if two strangers even walk by each other in the street and their clothes accidentally brush because it means there must have been something between them in their past lives. It reminds me of a poem called Please Wait or There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce by Morgan Parker. (laughs) Yeah. And it's talking about basically... If you're going to spend your life waiting until you're Beyonce, like holding Beyonce as the paragon of beauty and perfection, you were going to miss out on all these things. And then it ends basically with the line, like one day you will be able to look at the, you know, kind of the outline of your life and say, okay, once I was a different kind of person. Hmm. And just the, 
the serenity in, in, in just saying that about yourself, not judging it, just saying, I was, I was a different kind of person. Mm-hmm. I have lived different lives. It's been affected by the people I was around, the places I, I occupied. And I don't have to be that person again because I am this person now. This is my life mm-hmm. and I'm living it with you or I'm living it here or I'm living it in this job or I'm living it with these kids or whatever. It's just, I think that's part of what makes the movie so impactful is that it it's not just about a specific love story. It's about humanity. <laughs> <Right>. Like <laughs> what it means to be and become a different person from the person you were. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's not the person you thought you would be, but it's who you are. It, and, it, and, and all of those are who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that again at that and near the end, gosh, I just feel like it's such a, it's, it just cuts you mm-hmm. when the way the movie cuts, when they're saying goodbye to each other at the Uber. Mm-hmm. And for that split second, it cuts back to them as kids. Yes. Ugh, so powerful because yeah. that is the, that is the cinematic version of we are not these people anymore. And we but are we these are these people, people. Yeah. you know? It's so beautiful. But it was also beautiful. different because, one, they were standing there looking at each other rather than just walking away, and it was at night, too. Yeah. Like, in that moment, they were those kids again. Yeah. And I think that, gosh, Celine's song, to know that you have to have that scene there, mm-hmm. that little cut. Situated among very long takes. Yes. Right? Like it's, it, it, it's, it, it's jarring. And then that's kind of what she has to walk home on. And the length of her walk mm-hmm. is perfect for mm-hmm. you, the audience member, too. And then, yeah, just what we've already talked about with the the scene with Arthur, it's just it's just incredible. And yeah. then, and to give Hayson a coda, yeah. you know, he's gonna be okay. He's driving, yeah. yeah, driving away. And I don't know if you put much stake in this. Some people talk about like the the direction of progression, at least in Western films. So I don't know if that would you know, if we categorize this film that way. Uh, moving left to right is seen as forward progress. Okay, and. They both walk, they both move mm. left to right. And yeah. that, she's walking back to her house crying, but she's also progressing yeah, left to right. Yeah. And he's riding in the car left to right. And then we, the audience, is also moving mm. left to right yeah. because the camera moves away from him. And it's just that really striking. Uh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Scene. Yeah. So poetry. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Visual poetry here. Yeah. And just perfect. Just perfect from, from frame one. Yeah. I think. Now, that being said, I want to do my little thought experiment of what I think this movie, how this movie would have ended in different decades. Okay. You did the 90s already. 90s, she leaves with him. Okay. Arthur's a more villainous character, even if subtly, but 90s, she leaves with him. So, so, yeah, 90s, this is Can't Hardly Wait. And uh, even 90s indie. Okay. Even like 90s indie. I'm saying, I'm kind of thinking of it if this were an indie movie that came out in the 90s. Okay. I would say she still leaves with him. Okay. Because that's sort of like a little bit shocking, a little bit provocative. 2000s? 2000s. Now, this would have been a Tura Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Yeah. 2000s, I would say, and I might be wrong about this. 2000s, I would say that Uber pulls up, movie ends. You don't know. Right. We, it's and up then, to you. And the then we're, we're sitting there in college going like, oh my gosh. What, could, what do, do you think? think she what left you think? with him? Do you think? Uh, 2010s? I say split screen. Mm. We've got him in the Uber looking out the window, her walking back. Yeah. And then their faces are going to tell us. But How it also feel. would still be a little bit ambiguous. There'd and be it some would still sort end of on like, them. Was she smiling at the yeah. end or was she crying? You know, like that sort of thing. Right. But it would end on the split screen. Right. And, and, and still with the two of them. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
And then 2020s, this is how that movie ends. Hmm. Like the perfect ending for the current state. And what do you think that says about what the culture is ready for, I guess? Is it seems like everything I think what else the culture is, needs, whether they're ready for it or not, well, is sure. a very different question. Yeah. The culture needs nuance. Stability. No, nuance okay. and self-reflection sure. and reality. Yeah. And emotional intelligence. Yes. I think. Emotional intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's yeah. that is that's genuinely what I think. I would agree with that, I think. Um and I, I, I do think that we are sort of placed in that boat. Again, we start the movie different people Mm -hmm. we start Mm. the movie as As the observers observers who are sort of oversimplifying and judging Mm -hmm. now we are people who have learned the 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 reality the 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 complexity yeah and the nuance and we are now on our own journey across the bridge Mm -hmm. i like left to live our i like that past and future lives yeah i know and, and this gets us back to maybe where we can you know wrap it up a little bit I'm closing my notebook. <laughs> we we talked at the beginning about how like this was an immediate five-star movie for us. And yeah. I think I even said, I think you were agreeing with me that it, there are those movies you occasionally see that just kind of reinvigorate your feelings about the entire form. Like yeah. this is what yep. movies can do. This had to be told this way. This had to be in this medium to be told mm-hmm. as effectively. And it's such a small kind of like contained story. Yes. For all the scenes where they are around other people, like the only reason I know that there are other people in those scenes yeah. is because, of course, there are. Because they're in New York. And they're in, looking yeah. back on it, you can't picture. Can't picture a single other person. Yeah, I mean, you don't even. I don't remember what the bartender looks like. No. I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I guess. I, I mean, obviously, if we haven't gushed enough, five stars. I don't think we could be more best buds on this one. Yeah, best buds. It is. Uh, should we uh, maybe talk about what we're going to do at our next episode? Yeah. So we're kind of continuing this thing of movies of 2023. Yeah. But for our next episode, which by the way, we're taking a break. We're, so Talk we're not going to have an episode in March. In March. So this will be an April episode. Um, and what we're thinking right now is, even though you just listen to us gush about it, we're pretty sure, unfortunately, Past Lives is not going to win the uh, Academy Award for Best Picture. Right. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're basically going to wait and see. Yeah. And we're going to see uh, what does win. Yeah. If it's not The Holdovers or Past, Past Lives, Lives, we'll watch that. That's the movie we're doing. Uh, otherwise, we'll come up with something. Right. And you'll find out when you see the episode title. That, <laughs> that's true. But if you are the type that likes to you know, plan ahead and likes to definitely do your we'll, homework. Yeah. We'll put it out on Instagram. Well, and... or you'll just know if it's the one that wins Best Picture oh, well, that's yeah, not there's Holdovers that. or Past Lives. There's that. Yeah. But if it is the Holdovers If you're good past. at deduction, yeah. then that's how you can possibly know. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying yes. Well, I was just saying that if we if we need to announce something that is not the Holdovers or Past Lives, if those happen to win, yeah. long shots, we'll put it out on our socials. That's right. But yeah, you know, that's the plan, and uh, we hope you come along with us for the ride. So, you know, to listen to or comment on this or any of our past episodes, find us at canwestillbefriends.net or email us at feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. You can find us on Instagram and threads at canwestillbefriendspod. If you'd like to leave us a voice message and be featured on the podcast, call us at 847-306-9532, or you can always email us a voice memo. As always, we'd love it if you could subscribe and leave us a rating or review at Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you can leave a rating and review. Uh, we're on YouTube now. We're on YouTube now. Yeah, you can... if you didn't catch that, uh, I think I... Oh, I haven't put anything on our social media. 
<laughs> well, we're on YouTube. We're on YouTube. So, so yeah. you can find us there. Those ratings really help spread the word about our show. And I heard that a lot of those podcast sites are using new reviews mm. as ways to kind of rank people. Oh, so, so go do it again. Go do it again. Write, a, write a new review if you've already written Would a love review. That. Would love it. Can We Still Be Friends is written and produced by Ryan Ebling and Nate Goss and edited by Nate Goss. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.